This is Dan Libby, one-fifth of YFC, and you are listening to this week's episode of Infinite Rewind. Let's get it, y'all. All right, welcome to episode 31 of our galaxy-known universe proclaimed podcast infinite rewind i'm here joined by mr algo frias aka algorithm aka scar belly also mr lucky libby himself aka dad of the month because i'm dad of the year but he's dad of the month and i'm your host benny the bambino aka the caribbean conglomerate himself formerly known as the mocha latte fiance but your boy is booed up trued up and loving every minute of it. I am. (laughs) Of course, I'm wilding. So we're doing here. We're wilding. Um, I'm super excited to spend some time with you, wonderful gentlemen, uh, reviewing this 2006 album by John Mayer called Continuum. Uh, It was released in September of 2006, and it is the second album of our male artist series. Previously, we did three albums of female artists post-2000. Uh, we covered Amy Winehouse, we did Adele and Natalia Lafourcade. Uh, Beyonce. La- Beyonce. Yeah, when I say Adele, I've listened to Adele this week. It was Beyonce. And this week, we were covering John Mayer and his 2006 album, Continuum. Um, I would love to just show some stats real quick for the album but before i get there we're going to do a little true or false before we get into the review so i'm going to give you like three, three statements and then y'all going to tell me which ones are true so two are going to be true one is going to be false <clears throat> all right the first one is continuum won a grammy the second one is Continuum is considered a top 500 album by the Rolling Stones. And the third one is that the bass player from this album played bass on Beyonce's album. Which one's Mm. true? Which one's false? I mean, I know which one's false, but Libby, do you want to take a stab at it? Is it um, the second one? Uh, Paladino did not play bass oh. on Beyonce's album. Yeah. Paladino did not play bass on Beyonce's album, but he did play bass on on uh, uh, the uh, on a couple of albums actually. One that we've already reviewed, and that's uh, Black Messiah by D'Angelo. Absolutely, he played bass on Black Messiah by D'Angelo and on Voodoo. So yeah. this album was recently brought into the top 500 by the Rolling Stones. They revamped their their lineup and it did win a Grammy. It won a Grammy for best pop vocal performance, which is interesting because we're going to get into the vocals uh, shortly. But I know we usually start our reviews by like kind of playing it soft, playing it gentle. How'd you feel about the instrumentation? What were some of your initial influences? But like I'm not holding the guns out, man. The titties are out. I'm pulling all the gold out of the treasure box, and we're just going to go right into it. Continuum, the definition of the word, is a continuous sequence in which adjacent elements are not perceptibly different from each other. But the extremes 
are quite distinct. That is a massive undertaking thematically for an album, especially for an album that you're gonna do in less than an hour. That's like songs in the key of life type of approach to this album. I wanted to start off by asking you all, when you thought about the word continuum initially, and you listened to this album, what were some of the thoughts you were having around what the word continuum means and what was happening on this album? Hmm. Well, when I think of continuum, I think of the space-time continuum, how, how a small like iteration or adjustment over here will completely drastically change something over here. And I, and I got to say that in, in terms of the album and its uh, content, I don't think it's super directly, uh, you know, derivative of that. Um, I, I guess for me, continuum, I think of infinite, I think of endless possibilities. Um, and one of the things that I, I kind of struggled is finding kind of a through line between the title and the content of the album. So I'd love for us to dive into it, but, you know, there's, I didn't really catch a complete through line, uh, you know, through the album. So mm. here we are. Yeah, I, um, uh, when I think of continuum, I think of like one, one long chain, um, a sequence of events that's just appears straight but it's actually circular so um i think you could reorder any of these songs um i think there was much of a you know i, I just thought that it's just so soft um and soulful uh except for like a couple that kind of get a little rocky but i think you could you could reorder these songs in any way you want and i think you're still gonna get the same result um so yeah, I was, that's what I was thinking of. Really, it was just the order of the album when I thought of a continuum. Um, and uh, again, like they're similar, but that they are. I think they're. I mean, it's quite rangy, it's rock, soul, blues. Um, but a lot of it's like this, like soft rock standard that has uh, infusions, fusions of like other genres. Just well together like very very well i think the the three primary pieces in this album the, the three artists um really pull it all together i think it's just very stripped back and, and sexy and and, uh, and um easy to follow um so yeah i guess that, that that what jumped to me what what i focused in on was um you know, nothing really abstract just kind of like what is the what is the sequence? Um, I don't know if I might have <clears throat> made up my own uh, definition of continuum, <laughs> but uh, that's that's what I was that's what I was going with. Yeah, I I think when I looked at the definition, it was way more uh, complex and confusing than what I thought it was. Like to me, continuum was just like one thing continues on to the next, and I was like, all right, well, it's an album, so. Uh, it's going to obviously continue from one thing to the next. But similarly to what Raul was saying, like, what's the through line? Uh, yo, mm -hmm. Liv, you got some fans, son. Come on yeah. now. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, it's a little early. But I, I, I guess that's what the fans want. That's what the fans get. You uh, won't. You won't. Let's get it. <laughs> All right. Dude, you're going to have to hit him with the Shawn Michaels stance. Oh, I will. Before the end of this. Yeah, yeah. For it. I'll do it. Just hit it. Just hit it. Oh, here it goes. <laughs> no, no, it's too early. Yeah. Oh, it's, not, it's, it's never, it's never early enough. 
Um, so yeah, I guess I just thought the, the that word was too complex. I, I got nervous. I'm like, yo, you're gonna approach an album with this concept in mind? Um, and I was thinking about last week when we were reviewing Gambino's album, and I, I loved, I thought about this a lot, Rebel, all week of how you presented us with that dual narrative and how that kind of tied things together. So I may have been trying to like, you know, take one shirt and put it on another person and see if it fit. Uh, but I found that that didn't really work for this album. So let's transition from that to talking about what did work well on this album. Um, when you all think about some of the successes of this album and what things John Mayer was able to do successfully, what are some of those things? Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind, and you know, I've, I've, I think I've touched on this in the past, and it's like, for me, one of the best qualities in, in music is uh, when you can, because for me, this album is, is both complex and very palatable at the same time. You know, John Mayer is very good at uh, pulling from all human emotions and really like tugging on them. You know, it's, it's, and for me, music, it's at its best when it's driven by emotions. And this album is very vulnerable. Some of the topics and the content, lyric-wise, that he's delivering is super vulnerable and, like, naked, you know? So mm. that that's one of the biggest things. One of my biggest takeaways uh, of this album and, and John Mayer as a writer is, is his ability to just, like, you know, explore and tap into the different sides of our uh, human emotions and deliver it in a very palatable way. Totally. I, uh, I, I have to agree. I thought, um, well, <clears throat> it was unfair coming into this. Um, I wasn't entirely familiar with the album. I kind of just kind of maybe the first half. Um, I was, you know, familiar with, and then there were some pop hits. And uh, I mean, I know I like John Mayer playing with the dead, um, really because the dude is just, I mean, I love his voice and I love his, his range. I love, uh, his ability on electric guitar you know it's just uh he can shred and he just brings a different view to that but anyways we're not talking about that as much I, I, what i'm what i'm getting to is that prior to really getting to know john mayer i had this conceived notion that he was just a total douchebag <laughs> so when i get into the warmy lyrics and the um you know these topics that he's hitting on i'm like is this guy just like he's just fake you know, and he's just putting all this out there and um, because he's really just a womanizer and says things and does, you know, he's just kind of this punk kid. Um, and this is in 2006. You know, this is just me like growing up around that time too, hearing about, just, you know, him on the news and just, just it, it, not, not so much like news headline, like he's not like <laughs> changing the world. It's just, you know, just around people that like music and listen to music and I guess secondhand telling me that he is kind of douchey and uh you know on the flip side compared to someone like jack white who's made real good inroads with the people in the music industry and is very you know complimentary versus john is just kind of was one that just kind of said kind of fuck you all i'm gonna do it on my own i'm gonna do it better than you which is uh pretty ballsy of a statement um and i don't I don't hate that. I just, uh, I don't know. I just, I had this notion, uh, and it's unfortunate that he was that way. And I think he's a different person today than he was when he was, you know, on top of the world as a kid, you know, had 
So uh, his attitude's different. I think he's more humble now. But so that that unfortunately really took away from my experience with the lyrics. You know, until the, really this like sit down where I actually just took it as just one piece and, and not so much of the context and where this guy was and <clears throat> and my own prejudices. So I had to drop that. When I did that, yeah, I totally agree with, with Raul. I, I thought it was very naked, uh, very um, vulnerable um, and uh, raw and contemporary too. I mean, he's not like, he really wasn't fluffing anything in my opinion. I mean, he's using an example, uh, slow dancing in a burning room. Um, I think in the second verse, he throws out, you know, you can be a bitch just because you can. Um, it was just kind of like seemingly, seemingly uncalled for, but definitely refreshing. Kind of like Amy Winehouse. And some, I mean, her bird lyrics are a little more vulgar than, than John's, but um, it was definitely modern and uh, refreshing. Um so, I, I don't know, I guess he's, uh, I, I took a, I summed up, he's, uh, he's actually prolific um, in his songwriting capabilities and um, changed my opinion. I, I, this is a great exercise for that because you, when you sit down and study something in isolation, um, you know, it just it's you can just really pull from that moment and, and and really what what is being told to you just drop all the preconceived notions and just focus on in on the project that changes things yeah real quick before you jump in benjamin yeah so i i know that uh uh his his state of uh extreme ego came after this album mm. this album was like a, a huge phenomenon and a huge like hit and he had you know, probably like 80% of the women in the world were super in love with John Mayer. Uh, so he just went on this ego trip. And I think some of his comments is what ended up uh, really biting him in the ass. He, he said he said a comment about his penis only liking, uh, or his penis does not like women of color. Mm. So you can imagine that shit turned into a fucking uproar. And that was shortly after this album. Those two things, his ego, like nature, and that, and that comment, like really like put a, ugly stain on his career damn <clears throat> damn yeah the stains <laughs> come and the stains come you gotta like be able to somehow occasionally separate the artists from their their antics i know sometimes it's like it's impossible to do that uh, and i bet if i was a woman of color i would be like i ain't listening to john mayer that Bye. racist motherfucker um but yeah i think that that's really unfortunate that he was so poorly aware of his choice of words with that comment because when I do scan this album and I try to think of the thing that he was most successful with obviously his guitar playing is like insane like I tried to learn how to play stop this train this week and I quit after like 15 minutes because it is so complex rhythmically and finger picking wise and stop this train is like just one example of how talented he is on this album but man every single song he does this thing where he is like so vivid in his poetry lyrically, but it's not just like heady poetry that you have to like break down with like a college professor by your side. Like it's very personal, like everyday 
normal stuff. Like he has this verse on in repair where he's talking about like walking in the park and the birds are below him and that, you know, the, the world will be better when you come back and things might be green again, like so vivid in his imagery throughout. And I feel like very frequently the instrumentals um, have a great relationship with that. Even on I don't trust myself with loving you. Like that's a very like sexy, groovy, like seductive instrumental. And the lyrics are kind of like, I don't want to say insecure, but um, they're not sexy and seductive, right? Like there, there's this interesting juxtaposition there. So I feel like not only is his instrumental writing incredible, but I felt like his pen game was on point here, man. Like so, so many great moments. Um, I want to pinpoint on an emotion that um, you brought up in the group chat, Libby, because I have that emotion frequently throughout here. So I was curious how y'all were which emotional state y'all were most frequently in here. So you, I think you brought up uh, Heart of Life uh, made Devin cry. Mm -hmm. When y'all were listening to this album and scanning through it, could you pinpoint a song or a moment that you were like, okay, this is like my most emotionally vulnerable moment on this album? Um, yeah, it would have to be the same song. I thought that that... <laughs> I was just so impressed with um, each song. Yeah, I don't want to foreshadow my final rating here, but um, I it just it was just you know Ben you you mentioned like stop this train just like how delicate you know or just how like nuancey just how talented he is. It's hard to mimic, and um, it's on full display and really all of the songs but he makes it sound so simple it is a very simplistic album and, and it's stripped back I, I guess is the probably better term but uh to me what gets me and like tips me off in a in like a whoa that's moving is when the lyrics in the music align right to that precipice that peak and it usually happens to me in like the third verse of the song because you've already been washed over. Repetition is everything in music for me. It just, just kind of grinds away at you, seeps in under your skin, and then there's like a high moment. Uh, just like in the, if you go back to an emotional moment or a different song that's not on this album, it's a song that we listened to maybe like three months ago, uh, but With or Without You by U2. There's a final verse right before it breaks into the big crooning solo. The music just kind of like, it all just like thunders and like it breaks at one point and uh, it matches up with the lyrical. Anyways, that happens here on it kind of be a little bit anticlimactic here at the heart of life when um, fear is just he says that fear is just a friend who's misunderstood. Oh, you know, it, it, it's just like it it it's not a thunderous like whoa build up, but it doesn't have to be. It just it just hit hit a point that like you know for those who are dealing with some form of anxiety uh, or just feel like the world's closing in around them. Um, it's just, it was just such a very uplifting, like, Hey, oh, you're going to be okay. Type of feel, you know, like it just had that, that positive um, breakthrough, like, you know, we're all in this together type feel. And um, yeah, that, 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 I think when I heard that for the first time, I was like, Oh wow, that's a really, yeah, it's a great line. And it, it, it falls right into that formula that gets me. I thought that, uh, you know, that that was definitely a high moment for me, for sure. 
um, and put that song up on the in the tops for me. Yeah. Word. Uh, ben, can you re-ask the question? I want to make sure that I'm approaching it in the right angle. Yeah. So as you scan the tracks on this album, um, is there a track or a moment on a particular track that puts you in a, a more emotionally vulnerable state than others that you could pinpoint and be like, yo, mm -hmm. this moment or this song like got me in the feels more so than any other song on this album? Yeah. For me, there's two of them, you know, and the first one is I Don't Trust Myself When Loving You, mm. because that song is directly about understanding who you are as a, per as a person uh, and perhaps considering the things that worked against you in previously rela previous relationships, but understanding that these same things you could go through in your next relationship, which is tough, which is tough as hell. It's like, because you have to learn from your own previous experiences, you know. Mm. And, I, and I've lived that. I'm living it right now. You know, it's the, the healing process. It's moving on. It's it's acknowledging where you were, what you learned from a, a previous experience. And almost, I don't want to say, like, avoiding that, but just, like, lightly stepping around these things that you know are going to be an issue. Mm. Um, that and then, you know, for me, one of the saddest songs on this album is the last song, In Repair. That song is so sad, yo. And it's like, it starts immediately off the rip with the piano. It's like, it's immediately like sucking. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can, I can. Bro, hold on one second. ¿Qué pasa, mi amor? Okay, you don't have to play this All right. Sorry, man. I really wanted to listen, but doing it was... It's all good, man. Daddy duties never stop, bro. I'm saying, all right. So um, did you say in repair or I'm going to find another you? In repair. Got you. Okay. Yeah. And repair is such an emotional song. And for some reason, I always think, I'm not sure what movie I saw this in, but I remember hearing in repair in a movie where it was a very sad, vulnerable, like dark space, which this last week listening to this, I'm trying to recall a movie that was, but yeah, man, in repair is just like a emotional, very deep, sad song. man. Yo. And there's, one of the most gripping parts of that song is when he does the, oh, it's taking so long. Like, just that, oh, it's like I feel the weight of sadness just in that vocal. Like, forget the lyrics. Like, just in that tone of voice that he's singing that song. Um, yeah, man, in, in, in Repair is like, I had to pull over this week listening to that song because I'm like, yeah, this is just so much. Um, I just brought up a lot, man. I thought back to so many moments in my life where I felt like, yeah, I'm just not like getting over whatever obstacle that I'm going through right now, or I like fell as a result of an obstacle. And I feel like he encapsulated that perfectly uh, on that song. Um, so the reason that I asked that question is because as I scan every song on this album, I feel like I have a similar magnitude of emotional depth to every song on here, uh, except Bold is Love. I feel like Bold is Love got like real lyrical and like a little too heady. Uh, compared to the other ones, but every other song was like, yeah, I, I definitely feel this one um, the most. But <clears throat> I guess my highlight without a doubt moment is actually a nice combination of what both of y'all were saying. It has that instrumental crescendo aspect of it that comes like at the three fourths part of a song, uh, but it's also like very intimate and very gripping. Um, it comes at Stop This Train. And uh, the, the lyrics are when he's talking about like once in a while when it's good, It'll feel like it should when it's all when they're all still around. Just that lyric right there. It's like 
this guy's in this space. He's contemplating how old his parents are getting. Yeah. He's very grateful that they're still around because he knows still around means like, yo, eventually they're like not going to be around. And then the very last part of that is like, you don't miss a thing till you cry when you're driving away in the dark. Mm. It just made me think about this week. Like, yo, how many people were like going to visit families and like driving home from like going to see their grandparents or going to see their parents or they're all, you know, like feeling that sadness that so many of us have felt during the pandemic and like being away from family. Um, yeah, man, stop this train. I remember listening to this song like years ago and thinking, yo, this is a pretty sad song. But it was like, yeah, it, 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 it like cut my ankles out. Like it was just so, so much and so beautiful. And I wish I could say, yo, it only happens on Stop This Train. But I can go through so many songs. Dude, Gravity, oh my goodness. Like, ridiculous. Um, you can listen to that song at 30, at 40, at 50, at 60, and it'll you'll still be able to be like, yeah, that kind of applies to what I'm going through right now, you know? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like the emotional magnitude of this album is just so intense. Um, all right, I'm being mindful of time. Um one more question or final thoughts all right actually let's talk about this because you won a grammy for this and i'm really curious about how y'all feel about this because a lot of people give john mayer shit and I'll, i will highlight tony specifically here as saying that john mayer cannot sing and he has a terrible voice mm. a top vocalist we've we've listened to some really great vocalists this is a marvin gay you know gambino stuff last week was rather computerized um but we have listened to a lot of great male vocalists, you know, D'Angelo, Maxwell. Uh, when you think of John Mayer as just like a vocal performer, what type of thoughts and feelings come up? Do you feel like he's on the up echelon of like a Marvin Gaye um, type of vibe? Or is he more like way on the other side of it? And I can't think of anyone who's like a horrible male vocalist. I don't know, Kid Cudi, maybe? Like where, <laughs> where is he on the Kid Cudi, Marvin Gaye scale? Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I I can firmly say that I feel that he's maybe in the middle. We're, we're saying we're we're grading it from A from the A level. Let's say A is Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder, and then I don't want to say Kid Cudi is an F, but let's say Kid Cudi is a D. Yeah. I'm gonna say that John Mayer. I'll probably put him in the C range. Like he's he's a good vocalist. He's not a extremely like proficient vocalist, but right. I, I think that it's for for me. And why he's so so great as an artist is the combination of everything that he's that he bundles up. You know, it's it's his uh, guitar playing ability, it's his lyrical uh, thoughtfulness, and then his his voice is just like I don't know. It's just the medium of deli for delivering uh, his message. But no, I agree that he doesn't. We definitely don't uh, hear him stepping out of his vocal comfort zone in this album at all. He's mm. like very like even keel, like same level throughout the entire album. Not yep. many inflictions, not many like, he's not like reaching for any vocal uh, pitches that he's not able to uh, hit similar to Childish Gambino. Yeah, he's, he's, I think he's very much in the middle, man. He's not, he's not extraordinary. He's not terrible. He's, you know, vanilla ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still. I was going gonna... to say, um, I think he's very uniquely himself. I think he's just a, a like a distinct flavor, you know. Uh, trying to think of a better, like I think a lot of people don't like licorice, but those that do like licorice really like licorice. So, um, some similar to that. I mean, I think 
I actually have a stupid stream because people that don't like licorice, I like get the fucking licorice away from me. But um, I think he's just. I agree. I don't think he really like stepped outside of his comfort zone. I don't think he was blowing anybody away with his vocal range. But I also don't think he had to do that. I think his, the way he sings is just uniquely his own, and it's. Uh, I think it's sexy. I think most people find it sexy and palatable. I think it's distinct and different enough um, that it's just, it fits. It fits every song in this album. Um, I, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I think it's palatable. I think it's, I think it's, uh, like I said, unique. It's hard to imitate that. Uh, I don't disagree that he's not a, you know, I'd sit here and say that he is a great vocalist. I just think that he's just uniquely himself and that it just doesn't have to be anything. I don't think he had to go out and break molds and try to push things for, for it to fit for his music. I think it's just, I don't know. It's almost like uh, Dave Matthews is just, you know, uniquely his own too. I think John's has his voice has more flavor than Dave's, but um, maybe that's it. It's just that he's, it's, his voice is just flavorful on its own and doesn't really need anything any real adjustments to it um that too that kind of does lock him into a you know a single dimension i think on his earlier work where you know body is a wonderland etc it's, it's kind of like you know lovey-dovey telegraphed this you just knew what you were going to get that's why i really enjoyed this album is that each song fits and locks in with each other and I still stand by that you could probably rearrange each one of these. You could definitely rearrange this the track listing on this album and still get the same product. Um, um but yeah I think um it's just a overall it it just uh it locks in. It works well. I, I really like um I think it's sexy. I don't, know, I don't think I've ever called a grown man's voice yeah. sexy before, but I'm going to say sure? it. But yeah. you, know, you know what, though? Because a lot of what John Mayer is, is is blues derivative. Mm. And if you think about it, a lot of blues singers aren't, like, reaching for falsetto tones. Right. So I think I think he sticks to his pocket. And I do got to digress. As, as Luby was talking, I realized, I think there's one song where he hits falsetto and it's Vulture. Um down to the wild. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's pretty up, up in, in the range. And I think that, that may be the only section of the album where he's like, I guess, reaching, if you will. But even that, I think it sounds good. The him in that range sounds good. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. When I think of, you know, like, there's Ferraris, then there's like beat up Ford trucks from the 90s. I feel like John Mayer, he's an Audi. Like, I feel like he's slightly better than in the middle because he is able to do the falsetto stuff and sound smooth. And I, I never felt like I needed his voice to be more than what it was on any of the songs during this album. I never thought, man, I really wish he hit like uh, the Louis Armstrong baritone now, or I really wish he hit the Maxwell falsetto. Like, and I think this comes down to be very subjective. And one thing I was reflecting on a lot as I was listening to this album is as a musician, like how do I relate to what John's able to do vocally with like what I want to do vocally? And I feel like it's kind of the same idea. I don't need to sound, I don't need to have a very wide range. I just want to sound really good in the range that I do have. And I felt like he just, he nailed it, man. He, he I thought his vocal delivery on here was just perfect for each song on here. Um, but let's get into final thoughts. 
Raul, would you like to go first? Would you like me to go first? Yeah, man. <laughs> um, and, and I got to just throw this out there, man. The int my introduction to this album, I got to thank Tony. Tony, uh, Tony and I played a gig with Triton Taylor, who I think you guys have met, mm -hmm. uh, in New York a few years ago. And on the ride, he played Continuum. And honestly, we ended up listening to Continuum for most of the ride over and back. I was just, like, floored when I listened to this album. Because, mind you, this came out in 2006. I was introduced to this album maybe 2017. Mm. And I was just flabbergasted that I had never heard this album. I was like, how? You know, and it makes me think, how many other, like, phenomenal bodies of work have I missed? Just because yeah. it hasn't been on my radar. So I got to thank Tony for that. Um, yeah, I appreciate a lot of these songs. I think, dude, that stretch from, uh, hold on a second. That stretch from I Don't Trust Myself uh, through... Slow Dancing in a uh, Burning Room is like, as I feel like as good as it gets as far as albums. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think it kind of starts to like taper off at Bold is Love. Um, and I got to also admit, I, I think for my listening experience for this album for a while, like the, the tail end of this album, I didn't love. But in the last week, I definitely found a deeper appreciation for uh, Dreaming with a Broken Heart and Repair and I'm Gonna Find Another You. So re really, the only song that I don't love on this album is Bold as Love. Mm. Because everything else, you know, I like have a fond, deep appreciation for this. Um, I think it's a dope body of work. I love the layers of guitars. I love the panning of the layers of the guitars and, and freaking groovy bass, man. We haven't talked too much about bass, man. But bass-wise, Paladino fucking murders all this shit, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there are not too many things that are takeaways for this on this album, and with the exception of Bold is Love. Um, so with that into consideration, how much, how fond I am of everything else, I think, I think this album is a nine for me. Mm. You know, lyric-wise, he, 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 he's very poetic, very, very poetic, but kind of like you said, Ben, where it's not like you're like, you know, trying to solve what he's saying. It's, it's very... Uh, easy to understand, but it's very, it's profound at the same time. Um, Music-wise, phenomenal. Yeah, it's a full body of work, man. I, I commend John Mayer. This is a solid, solid body of work. And yeah, like I said, between I Don't Trust My... If, if this album was just from track two to track eight as an EP, let's say, this shit would be like one of my favorites of all time. Dope, dope, dope. <clears throat> um, I love that you started out with like an uh, emotional memory first to start off. So I'm actually gonna bring y'all back to high school. And I went to the very first concert I'd ever been to with Earl at the time. And it was a John Mayer concert. And this was actually in like 2006, 2007. So he had just released this album. But I would say in 2007 as a senior in high school, 95% of my musical palette was Jay-Z, Kanye, uh, and probably a healthy combination of Biggie. Like, that's really all I listened to in high school. So I was pissed that I was going to this John Mayer concert when all I wanted to do was, like, listen to Watch the Throne. So I had a very bad taste of this album and this artist in my mouth for like, a very long time. Um, but similarly to you, I revisited over the last couple of years from, like, a musician's perspective from a composition perspective, from, you know, what stories do I want to tell when I'm playing music? What emotions do I want to cover when I'm playing music? Like, how do I want to sound vocally? Like, what do I, like, do I want synthetic? Do I want like organic acoustic instrumentation? And when I look at it from that sense, 
just from an instrumental perspective, to me, this album is just everything that I want an album to sound like. It has groove, there's breaks in it, it's funky, uh, it has a beautiful acoustic aspects of it. The minor to major chords are there, but it's not like crazy complex where like you need to be a nerd to understand it. Like a lot of these chords, a lot of these songs have pretty easily manageable chord progression. You think you can play them and you start to play them, you're like, yo, I don't sound like John Mayer at all. Like <laughs> this guy is just so talented. He makes the simplicity so beautiful. Um, and when I think about thematically the narrative, yes, there is no like letter to a son here, or it's not a an album about a divorce, or it's not like a story of a king going to like find a damsel in distress. But like, I really love the fact that Libby said you can rearrange the songs in any order here and it still kind of works. Uh, because I think that's kind of what he's going for here. He's not necessarily going for like an A to Z narrative. It's more like snapshots. And I'm going to talk about time in subtle or very abrupt ways throughout the whole album, which I think is like a beautiful backdrop to have. And when I think about the most beautiful moments, it's like songs like Gravity, Timeless, Heart of Life, Timeless, um, Stop This Train, Timeless, like In Repair. Those are all things that you're probably going to be experiencing in your heart at whatever time of being alive that you have possible. So like like songs in the key of life, I feel like I'm gonna be able to never get enough of this album because it's always gonna stand out to me differently. An album like Here My Dear is like, to me, it's kind of like fixed in time. It's like, if you're going through a divorce, here you go, son. Like <laughs> it, it, it fits a certain mood, but to me, Continuum, like it's gonna sound cheesy and corny. I feel like it's timeless. Like it'll work whenever, wherever. Um, and on top of that, the poetry is just out of control, man. I didn't listen to this album enough this week. If we said we need another week, I definitely would have listened to this album every single day, son. Um, so yeah, it's 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 not even a question, bro. This is a ten piece, bro. Woo! <laughs> I didn't know. It, wow, yo, phenomenal, man. Love it, love it, love it. Whatever he does, the wild stuff after that's fine. The cheesy stuff before. But for Continuum, bro, like when I when I sing Alter Boy, like I want it to sound like Continuum. Like I want it to be this good, this layered, this poetic. Um, and yeah, just big props, man. Big props. Fucking awesome, man. Congratulations. So now Thank you, man. Two. Feels good. We've each done two tens. But wait, I haven't given my thoughts yet. Um yeah, it's it's an incredible, uh, incredible take. I had to drop the prejudice. Um, you know, I didn't know that, Raul, um, that really all the bullshit that came out, self-induced bullshit, um, spawned this. I mean, it came from this. I mean, this is a commercial success. I mean, it had to, I mean, without really looking up the, all the stats here, like it had to have been. I mean, how could it not have been? It's just, it's smart, sexy, um, it, you know, it, it, it's... <laughs> Knowing now that his attitude and ego, and I don't have to really harp on it much, but like it, it kind of affects the way you look at it. I think you're right, Ben. You try to take the artist, separate the artist from the piece of work. Um, so going into this, yeah, I had to. That was something I had to do because I felt like this was in that time period where he was definitely someone that I wouldn't have gotten along with. Um, but. It's just when you dig into each individual aspect of this album, each song, um, you kind of, and you drop the prejudice, you get the sense this is a vulnerable kid who's a gifted songwriter. And um, 
and I know that he's a shredder on the guitar and that he has, yes, a blues, a strong blues, uh, bass in him. Um, but he really doesn't like, he doesn't, it's so, it's, I mean, it's his album, but just kind of like any real, like you ever listen to Bruce Hornsby albums? Like the dude's like a virtuoso and it, yeah, it's arranged by him. It's his stamp. It's his album, but he's not like, doesn't take over and like turn everyone else down and then turns himself up and just like, you know, makes it so about him that it's nauseating. You don't get that here in this album from John Mayer either. Like it's, 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 it's humble in a way, you know, it's very, um, it's, it's not uh, selfish. It's selfless, which is, you know, kind of like what the aggravating thing about just the, again, trying to separate the artist from the music. It's like, you was just so good. Just keep your mouth shut. I don't know. <laughs> so, but anyways, I resolved uh, that this is easily a ten for me, um, and it is because it is a. Um, I think it's a perfect example of minimalism. I think it's a just really strong example of uh, it just making a tight piece of music, and there's like imagine it you can just let your imagination go like these songs stay with you after you you're done listening to the album um and you can just hear variations of them in your own mind at least for me slow dancing in a burning room is just like i can hear harmonica i can hear like other ways we could you know he could play that or somebody could take that in a couple different directions but like the bass is there and the bass is timeless you know it just it, it left such a these songs left a profound impact on me. Um, and yeah, I, I get, I gotta steal Ben's words. Timeless. It really is. It's like a, it is a timeless piece. Um, yeah. you know, the Jimi Hendrix cover, um, I do agree with Raul. I, I did, I did felt like it kind of just sticks out or like, as like this random take, um, I don't know. I mean, I but I, I'm also like I, I love Hendrix, and I think thought, he, you know, anyone that dares to pick up the you know, pick up the torch that Hendrix held and just take that song and run with it. I mean, it's not a common song. It's not a popular song by Hendrix, but it's a it's a great um, it's a great song. <clears throat> and I thought John crushed it. I thought the voice, you know, his his unique vocal presentation. Uh, was a really cool spin on that song, and I don't, I don't think it takes any points away from the album. Um, it just shows, it shows their talent. The three of them. I thought the bassist was 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 baller, and I think Steve Jordan on the drums was fucking fire, and it just sounded so great. I would love to sit see the that trio in an intimate sure. setting and just like sit in the back with a martini and hang out with you guys while they play. It would just be like lights out, probably like make my make my life but uh yeah man i am um, easily attend um without question um i would also say that the second half of the album didn't impress me at first but it definitely wore on me and each i mean dreaming with a broken heart is a gorgeous ballad i'd love to play that with you guys sometime um yeah 10 ding 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 so i think on the 10 on the on the scores ben's got two tens Raul's got two tens. I got three. So I'm a little bit more liberal here, but uh, actually, that's not the right word. Still fucking finding it, man. But the tens are starting to come, starting to come easy now. Um, 
Okay, so we're gonna wrap up this very this uh, cycle um, of solo artists, male male solo artists um, in the post two thousands. Um, we're gonna go with I mentioned his name earlier, Jack White, who is a uh, producer, guitarist. Uh, you know, he's a um, all around. Um, I'd say a renaissance man of music and um, he was the you know, lead man in the white stripes in the nineties. They disbanded in the mid two thousands. Um, it was just him playing with Meg white. Who's not really his. I don't think he's really his sister, but um, it was just a duo. Uh, but Jack's an extremely smart guy. Gets a lot of positive press for being a talented producer. Well, he went solo. He played a bunch of bands after, uh, white stripes and left his unique jack white sound on those bands whether he was playing drums or bass or with the front man in those couple of bands dead weather and the record tours so he went solo and just made his own album um blunderbuss in 2012 and he also followed up with lazaretto but we're going to go with blunderbuss and um he plays the majority of the instruments on these on these albums including drums um so and piano and um yeah i'm excited to check it out blunderbuss by jack white and we'll see I maybe mean, we could do a little com comparison you know between someone who got in the rock and roll world was kind of like shunned and john mayer because of his comments and then jack white who was like taken under keith richard's wing which is a guitarist with rolling stones legendary guitarist you know and got such positive press um not that that really should be most of a focal point, but I, I, I think it's worth discussing maybe next week. Um, so, yeah, bang it. Wonderful, wonderful. Jack White. Um, yeah, I know nothing about this guy. I do know that he somehow was able to uh, elicit some of my favorite Beyonce vocals that I've ever heard. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what he can yeah. on his own. Um, but all right, man, let's wrap it up. This was a beautiful way to spend my Thanksgiving week. Just having this album in the background was like, I couldn't have asked for anything better. Um, but I did ask for something better because I'm I'm needy. So I played this and Stevie Wonder all week, man. I was just, you know, <laughs> 10 out of 10 vibe, bro, all week. It was loving myself and everything about music in general. So... All right, y'all, we are three-fifths of YFC. This is episode 31, John Mayer's 2006 Continuum. It's your host, Benny the Bambino, joined by Algo, and your boy, Dr. Mr. Professor Libby himself. We'll be back next week with the third of our male vocalist series. Peace and love, y'all. Peace. See ya. <laughs>